I think we have to give the children freedom to choose projects. I think we have to know that every child has passions and strengths. And we have to read, research, and talk to the kids. Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Cindy Burnett. And my name is Dr. Matthew Wurwood. This is the Fueling Creativity in Education podcast. On this show, we'll be talking about creativity topics and how they apply to the field of education. We'll be speaking with scholars, educators, and resident experts about their work, challenges they face, and digging deeper into new and varying perspectives of creativity. All with the goal to help fuel a more rich and informed discussion that provides teachers and parents with knowledge they can use at home or in the classroom. So let's begin. Today, we welcome to the show Dr. Victoria Waller. For over 40 years, Victoria has been a reading specialist and educational therapist. She helps children ages 5 through 11 who have trouble reading and writing, can't sit still in class, and don't feel like they can participate, children whom teachers have all but given up on. She has an EDD focused on reading and learning differences and has been awarded the University of Cincinnati's Distinguished Alumna College of Education Award. Victoria has a book, Yes, Your Children Can, Creating Success for Children with Learning Differences. Welcome to the show, Victoria. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much. So let's start with motivation. So can you share with us some creative techniques you would recommend to help students who don't enjoy learning? Okay, I have to tell you, there's not a child in over 40 years that I have found, and I'm not talking only about kids with learning differences. They could have emotional problems. There could Parents could be split up. Something could have happened in their family, anything like that. Every child enjoys learning. I've never met a child. You have to understand, I've seen thousands of children. They all can enjoy learning, and they want to learn. It may be hard for them, but it looks like they don't want to, but they really do. And children with differences are geniuses of our time, and other children with issues, they all have passions and strengths. The teacher, I'm so sorry to tell you this, but the teacher has to bring it out. The teacher has to give children the freedom to create and do what they love. Parents, of course, might tell, uh, parents come to me and I'll say, what's your child good at? And they can only tell me what their child is bad at. He can't do this. He can't do this. I just met a child and the mother said, oh, he's good at Legos. Okay. So I had some Legos for him. And he looked at me, he said, Vicki, I do Legos that are 10,000 pieces. And I said, what? I can't even do this little one. But can you read? He goes, no, I don't know how to read. I said, how do you do it? I said, I look at the pictures. To tell you, I've seen some of those spaceships. There's no way looking at the pictures I could do it. Parents have to relax and think about what their kids can do, not what their kids can't do. The teacher has to be the one that gives them the freedom to do what they can. They just have to be there saying, oh, my child loves rocket ships. Okay, maybe that can be woven into what they're studying about. My child's great at art. Good. Maybe instead of a written book report, it can be a book report made out of all the characters out of clay. And then maybe the child dictates the story to somebody right at the beginning if they can't write. You have to give children the freedom. And I'm telling you, I've taught thousands and thousands of children in classrooms and as an ed therapist, they all have a passion. You just have to find it. 
the relationship between parent and teacher strikes me a little bit here because you're talking about, you know, the teacher has to bring it out of them. And a teacher is a very important piece of that puzzle in terms of creating that environment and making it a comfortable place for that student to learn. But then I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about young children. I don't know if my eight-year-old, if he was posed, what are you good at? What are you interested? He, he, he might identify a couple of things, but I think I could assist the teacher identifying some interests that perhaps I've observed that he doesn't know. So for example, my, my youngest, he would say, I love drawing and painting, but actually I also recognize that he's very good at problem solving, very, very good at problem solving. And he loves to build things and make things bordering on the line engineering as opposed to just art. So I'm just wondering, Victoria, A, do you see the, the value of that relationship between parent and teacher? And B, do you have any strategies on how we might be better at bridging the gap between what the parent might know based on what the child is expressing in the home environment to help the teacher try and bring that same expression into the classroom environment? With children who don't have any issues, a parent comes in and is talking and the teacher can say, hopefully she'll read my book or he'll read my book and ask some questions about the child beforehand. Children who have differences, what happens is the parents, like in August, they start writing to the teacher. I want a meeting. I have a child with differences. The teacher's not ready in August to deal with that. They're not ready. They give the teacher time to get your know your child and say, maybe I'd like to speak with you at the end of September and give you some ideas of what my child is good at. I think what the teachers have to do is have, now you're talking about building. In a classroom, there should be, are you ready? Boxes, old cameras, old remote controls, keys and locks from Etsy. You can build, I found this for $5. I got hundreds of old keys and it was so fantastic. I had now I want to tell you something. You did ask, you know, how are you creative? I have to tell you something. In my brain, I can think of an idea, but I am not the person who can make the project. It's so interesting. The children say to me that we did um, the treehouse series with uh, Andy Griffith, who I love him. Okay. And I got these big boxes and I said, oh, let's make a treehouse. And this little girl said to me, oh, Vicki, we always go on Amazon. Let's go on Amazon and let's get the little wooden round pieces and barks. We'll find it on Amazon. I thought, what is she talking about? So in other words, I had an idea to make the treehouse, but I let the student go and find it. I go online. You wouldn't believe it. There are barks, actual barks like this. She did hot glue. I did the hot glue. I don't let kids touch the hot glue even though they do it at school. And she made the barks. Andy Griffith wrote back and said, this treehouse is better than anything I've done. Can you imagine the child got a letter back? So you don't have to be yourself, somebody who's creative. You can think of an idea. Listen, we have Google now. You go on Google and put treehouses. There'll be 200 different ideas. If you're a teacher, all you have to do is go to Google and look for opportunities. You don't have to be the one like, I can't draw. I can't do any of that stuff. I can say, let's build a treehouse, but I have the junk. Teachers should write to parents, and if they can have some boxes in the back. Old cameras are like $3. The kids make characters out of old cameras. They put a styrofoam head. They put paper around. They make the character of the book they read. Uh, cereal boxes. 
you can make a cereal box. A child made a whole cereal box about Jane Goodall. And she made a cereal box of Jane Goodall. So on the front were pictures. On the side, she had what she does. She had all the report done on a cereal box. Everybody has a cereal box, I think. You can buy old old paintbrushes. You think, oh, I'm going to teach her. I'm going to throw them out. No, use them and make characters on them. The children make a character. They put it on the on the paintbrush and they go like this. You have to give the children the freedom to express. And it comes from the parent saying, this is what my child is good at. What you just said about your child, the teacher should know that. So maybe instead of doing just a book report, it says, would you build me the house that the person lived in in this book that he read? I think we have to. I think we have to have the parents and the teachers get together and the kids have to have the freedom, the freedom to not just make this like I did a box, try to have and nowadays with all the junk with the boxes and the blank books by Ashley. Did you buy one? You said you're going to buy one. The Ashley books, the blank books. No, I'm, I'm being I'm being called out here. So first of all, I have bought different blank book. So for, for our listeners, Victoria and I had a, had a conversation about the fact that my child liked to just write and draw uh, almost as if they're creating their own book. And so uh, Victoria, you had made that suggestion that I should buy the, the Ashley books. I create, I'd found some other ones and I'm going to give them um, for the vacation as well. And I think to a certain extent, some schools give journals away as well. And I think, but that's also interesting as well. I mean, journals are slightly a structured um, activity where you're encouraged to write about your day. And you have to be able to know how to write and spell. Mm-hmm. You have to write mm-hmm. and spell. It's a little yeah, harder. Yeah, no, you're completely right. Can I just just um, to to wrap up though? What I'm what I'm what I'm hearing though is there needs to be a relationship between the parent and the teacher. I did catch the fact that you had said to parents, "Let's give the teacher a little bit of time." Don't, don't reach out in August. And, the, and what I was thinking about that is let's give the teacher time to also observe your child in the classroom environment. But to the teachers out there, you need to make sure you're creating an environment in those first couple of weeks to which you have an opportunity to see the, the, the children expressing different types of creativity so you can begin to draw conclusions or at least begin to generate ideas about that child that then when you begin to interact with the parent, you can either confirm certain assumptions that you've made or or potentially get a little bit more of a, a, a more in-depth understanding about what you're seeing in the classroom. So I think that's really good advice from both teachers and parents, particularly teachers and parents of young children. And I have, there was a teacher, a third grade teacher. I went to the classroom and she wasn't me. She wasn't jumping around and doing stuff. She was a good, solid teacher. And this child that I had needed a good, solid teacher. So third grade boy, she gave each child what they had to do their research report, and she gave him strawberries. Do you know any third grade boy who'd go, yippee, I get to research strawberries? Very calmly, I wrote her back, and I said, he's an expert on roller coasters. His grandmother lives in Cedar Point in Ohio. He knows everything about roller coasters. He has built a roller coaster, and I couldn't even do what he did because he did so many inches equal a foot. So he made a roller coaster. That I didn't even know what he did. So she said, sure, do it. We found the president of Cedar Point. He interviewed him. He had to write questions. He interviewed him. He went with his mother to Cedar Point 
And he interviewed, he interviewed like the people that ran the things, the people who every people who were there, like, what do you do if something my mother went on on the roller coaster and her Gucci glasses fell off? And the president of Cedar Point said, tell your mother not to wear Gucci glasses when she's on a roller coaster again. But they have a place where if you lose something when you're on the roller coaster, you take it to the lost and found. This teacher was she jumping up and down? No. But she said, oh, okay. He likes roller coasters. You don't have to do strawberries. Teachers and parents, you have to get together. You have to engage the children with what they want to do. You can get a report out. It just may not have to be about strawberries. I think you have to engage children with interesting articles from The Week Junior, best, best magazine right now. I'm telling everybody, buy it. The, the articles are short. It's about everything going on in the world, and it's interesting. One of my students found the man who was caught in the whale's mouth. I found him on Google. Somebody said to me, how do you find these people? We have Google now. I looked up Google. I found his phone number, and I called him. I said, would you let this seven-year-old interview you? He said, sure. And he interviewed the man who was caught in the mail, and the, this fisherman who was caught in the whale's mouth. It was fabulous. He had to write. He dictated to me because he doesn't he doesn't really write that well. He dictated to me, I typed it for him. He practiced it and he interviewed him like a TV interviewer. It was unbelievable and let me tell you what happens when a child does something that they're good at, like the roller coasters, it gives them confidence. And let me tell you if you have confidence, you then can succeed because you think, "Oh, I can do it." Most of the students come to me and say, I can't do it. And they can. You have to get, engage them, see what they like, talk to them. You know, take a couple of kids out in the in the hallway. A teacher can do that. Even at the beginning, send out a little questionnaire. What do you like? What do you like to, to build? I had a whole Pokemon year. Everybody liked Pokemon. I put up every character, a picture of them on boards. And then I put the sound, like Beedrill. I put, okay, Two E's is long E. Put words underneath that have the same long vowel sound. I use what they're interested in. And this goes out for teachers too. You can use what children are interested in and get your decoding and get your books read and get writing all about what they're, connect kids with their heroes. Music. Oh my gosh. I went into a seventh grade class in the inner city of Detroit with 30 boys who I could never teach. And he was teaching them with Motown music. Well, hello, I'm from Detroit. I went crazy. And for 40 years, I teach children today. It's I don't care about Bruno, this horrible song, which, excuse me, I hate. But that song has digress and blends and suffixes. I use songs. A teacher can do that. I think one of the things that really struck me about what you said a little bit earlier was around every kid could have a passion. And Matt, it brings me back to our conversation with Scott Barry Kaufman, who talked about passion and said, how can we expect kids to have passions so early on? And I see you feel strongly about that. Our listeners can't see your nonverbals, but I could definitely see your verbals. So, and I've, and I've met a lot of parents, um, through schools, you know, that I work with. And they just say, when I talk to my kids, they just have a blank look on their face when I ask them about things they're interested in or, you know, is interest the pathway to passion? And how do we know when they are actually interested in something when they, 
might not have the um, the enthusiasm around things that that some other children might have. I have never ever met a child three years and older. And listen, they're all they want some game they're playing on the computer. I'm not talking about that. They have starting at three, even younger. They have a book they they want you to read ten times over. The same book ten times over. They're interested in Pokemon. So you use those kinds of things of what they like. I've never met even a three-year-old, if you ask them. They'll tell you he likes uh, my my friend just, she had a baby, my friend's child. She had a baby. And she said, oh, my gosh, he's into fire trucks. Well, of course. He's three years old. I brought her a whole bunch of books with fire trucks. And he loves his dog and a dog. Even young kids. They know what they like, whether it's reading to them the same book over and over. My son said to me, I'm going crazy. She And I can't remember the book when she was little. She liked every night I take a new book and she goes, no, this one. She takes the same book over and over. It's okay. There's no child that doesn't have something that they love. And you can get it away from just being a computer game. You know what I mean? You can do that. And if the parents have that, junk in their garage you know the all i i have old old cereal boxes i have old jewelry boxes i have and they go in and you say make a train you love a train and they do it and you're sitting there going i don't know how they did it they all i'm telling you every child has it in their brain what they like and they love creating you know people want to get them off the computer and off of these games and everything just give them an Amazon box, give them colored paper, give them glue, markers. And I'm telling you, they'll make that. My kids made a train out of four big boxes. You know what my box was from? I ordered 25 jumbo marshmallows. If you harden them, you can make them into characters and draw on them. And the kids make all kinds of things with hard marshmallows. But I made a mistake and ordered not 25, 250. So, I had some really big boxes. <laughs> I got 250 bags of jumbo marshmallows. My husband thought I ordered a car. He had no idea what I ordered. They, my kids took these big boxes and they said, oh, this is a train. Believe me, I didn't see a train. I saw how much money I spent on 250 jumbo marshmallows. And they made a train. I didn't have to say anything. But if we give them that junk and that stuff in the garage, let's create, they will get off their computers. They will do it because it's fun. And you'll see what they're interested in. So let's talk about teachers, because a lot of educators that we work with, they don't feel as if they're creative. So what do you recommend to educators who want to bring creativity in, but don't feel creative themselves? Well, I think what it is, is you have the word freedom. Freedom to let the children create. I'm telling you when people say, oh, Vicki, you're so creative. No, it ha- yes. I say, oh, let's make a tree house, but I don't know how I'm going to do it. Listen, if they get my book, there's thousands of ideas in the book and I don't mean to be selling my book, but it's honestly true. I have all the ideas in there. And if you know what their passion is, like the kid who liked the cars, um, he got this one child, he picked out Oklahoma as the state and I went, Oklahoma, to study Oklahoma. So we open a book and we find out the biggest, his name is Daryl Starbird, and he makes, he builds his own cars since he's been 15 years old. I think he's in his 60s now. All of a sudden, 
we knew something about was interesting about Oklahoma, other than they have a lot of trouble with earthquakes because they frack a lot. But we had to find it. Teachers have to, if they don't know what it is, they have to find out. By you interview kids, you know, kindergartners. If I interviewed them, what do you like to do? They'll tell you. Oh, I like Adele. Oh, I like this TV show. Oh, I like. And you can you create by finding out what they like, and you still do whatever your whatever you have to be teaching. Even math, do it with characters from Pokemon. Listen, there are many, many books out besides mine that have ideas. And on the internet, you look it up, book inter, creative book reports. So the teachers have to access some of the things they're not used to. And they can give a list to kids. And they have to have the stuff in the room, though. Beginning of the year, write a list. I want old cameras. Everybody's got old cameras. Everybody, and they're not using them anymore. Have them bring them in. And you'll see, you give each child a camera and you say, we're studying about the West. Make something with this camera. I'm telling you, kids will love it. The teacher doesn't have to be creative. She has to use the internet. She has to use books and find the topics. And then the children give them the freedom and they'll do it. It's it's quite amazing when you do that. But, and, and that that is an an expression of of creativity, right? As as the teacher looks to embark on this journey of trying to find new ways to engage the the, the students in the curriculum, that is an act of of teacher creativity in the classroom. But Victoria, I want to throw a question out here because I I'm suspecting that there might be some of our listeners particularly saying this. At the very beginning, I referenced the word environment, and some of the things that you're you're talking about. I'm envisioning a kindergarten environment. So what would you say to a social sciences teacher in, let's say, 10th grade and 11th grade who has teenagers who are coming into the classroom, perhaps some of them don't want to be there and they're not fully engaged, but they're wanting to somehow spark an interest in them so that they can be better at, at teaching this topic? What would you say to that teacher? Well, I don't think it's changing the curriculum. First of all, I don't work with high school kids. So, you know, that take, but I would still do the same thing. Those seventh graders, he taught them everything, but through music, he taught them how it's really reading and writing. But for ideas, you have to have the time. If you're a good teacher, you have to do this and you have to put, put it into the children's lap. What can you do? You're studying, uh, you're studying space. This is an interesting one. Okay, let's say for some reason you're doing space. Well, space is a great one. My students, there was a space, make a toilet for space. Hero X. But you see, you have to research. You have to go on the internet. I'm sorry, you do. That's what you're you're a teacher that has to be creative in the sense that you use the materials that will turn kids on. You can't be in that book and read a book and be boring. You just can't. But like SpaceX, the kids were studying space. I think this was like a sixth grade. And I, this thing came up on the computer, Hero X. I never heard of it. Hero X, it was a contest to build a toilet for space because in toilet, in space, if you go poop in the toilet, which the children love poop because it was a poop toilet, the poop flies out. So they said five years and up. So I called the woman. I called her. I call everybody. I called the woman. I said, Five years and up, are you giving my kids who are five years old something? They went, no, Vicky. We'll, you know, this is really 
for a real, we really want a toilet made for space. I said, well, okay, what if I give my kids the idea to do this? What will you give them? And she said, let me call you back. Talk to the big people, the president. They called back. They said, we'll give them a certificate that says they made it. You have never seen a five-year-old who made out of, it's so funny. They made them out of, they made them out of everything you could think of. There were old uh, bottles, milk uh, cartons. There were plastic glasses. And they all, by, in their brains, said, I'm going to make a machine. So the poop, they, they made a toilet. They pretended, made a toilet. Then they told me, how does the poop go out and go out of the spaceship? And I asked them the questions. And I had to type it because they couldn't, they couldn't type or anything like that. Five years old, six years old, and eight years old. They knew exactly the way that poop was going to work, how it was going to go out through the cardboard tube from the um, from the paper toweling, and how it was going to go into space and leave the spaceship. It's connecting. It's connecting children with interesting ways to do things and let them do it. If you said to me, make a new toilet for the spaceship, honest to gosh, I would not have thought of what they did. And, and you know what? what? What I really like about that, one of the big takeaways, and, and Victoria, your, your stories are so inspiring. And yeah, I mean, I suppose you could say that they might be overwhelming for some teachers, depending on when in the year you're listening to them. But I think my takeaway from your response, Victoria, is generating ideas is part of teaching and generating ideas on how to engage students and you be creative in how you go about administering that curriculum is part of teaching. And so it's your responsibility to try and find the time. And we certainly had podcasts where we've discussed about the fact that sometimes that's the shower time or sometimes it's, you know, you're, you're, your journey in or your journey back from your classroom environment. But that that's the takeaway I'm going with is it's part of our responsibility as educators to go find the time to generate ideas that can help us be creative. I think we have to give the children freedom to choose projects. I think we have to know that every child has passions and strengths and we have to read, research and talk to the kids. So Victoria, I have a question. I, I have, I have, you know, people that are close to me, friends that have been in that situation where they begin to realize or understand that their child has uh, learning differences, how they approach learning, how they interact in what we, dare I say, a traditional learning environment is sometimes uncomfortable or harder for them. And so those parents, I know, sometimes have this like really frustrated feeling that they're fighting against the system, they feel lost, they don't know what to do. So I was wondering if you could give me a response specifically to some of those parents that might be listening and experiencing that right now. This is so important. And I'm not pushing my book and saying, read my book, read my book. My book is a step-by-step for a parent, for a teacher, even for doctors. When you have an instinct, something's wrong. It's just not right with my child. And maybe one of the husband or the wife is saying, oh, I'll snap out of it. They're not going to snap out of it. My book takes you on a step-by-step journey, exactly what to do. You have that gut feeling. If you do nothing, you're going to have a child who isn't very happy. I could tell you right now, take the step, get the child tested, 
get a good therapist to work with them after. It doesn't have to be a Vicki Waller who has a doctorate. It can be, I met a 32-year-old girl. Her, the person who took her through high school was her second grade teacher who was a fabulous tutor and she was brilliant and she took her all the way. Can you imagine? You have to find that person. You have to have, if, if, you need, if the child needs medication, read my chapter. I'm not a doctor, but you have to think about the things after the child is tested. Then my book goes through everything, reading, writing. Who are the people are going to work with my children? What are these tests? What do they mean? Everything is written like it's. Um, it was called What to Expect When You're Expecting. It was a pregnancy book that took women on a step-by-step, one month you're going to feel this way, second month you're going to feel this way. That is what my book is. It takes you on the journey to success. If you follow what my book says, I'm telling you, you will have that bright child will be successful and won't be thinking about doing something else or being depressed or whatever. You must follow the steps in my book. And the best thing is, At the end of every chapter, I put the takeaways. So after you read the chapter on how do you talk to the person who's testing your child, just go to the end of the chapter and a blue box says, this is what to ask. So you don't have to reread the whole book because at the end of every chapter, it tells you exactly what to do. I'm telling you, we need these children are the geniuses of our time, like Anderson Cooper, Simone Biles. If you follow this journey in the book, step by step, I promise you, your child will be successful. So Victoria, we wrap up every show with three tips that you would provide to educators to bring creativity into the classroom. So we would love to hear your three tips. First of all, which I said, and I'm going to say it 10 times, give the children the freedom to choose projects to do. Also, find out what their passions and strengths are. It's up to you to find out. Talk to them. They'll tell you what they're interested in. You And when you were talking about older kids, older kids for sure know exactly what they want to do. But even my the five-year-olds who I did the spaceship with, I all I had was junk in a box. And he put it together. And it was unbelievable. They all have it. We have to get it out of them. And know that every child has the passions and strengths. And we have to research. We have to read, we have to talk to the kids, and we have to show them how to research. It's all, you talk about executive functioning, watch a child with learning differences put together the whole rocket ship, and he had severe learning differences. And he put the whole thing, his math was amazing. He wrote the letter to the the person. It It was amazing. We have to give them the freedom, and we have to find out. I'm sorry, there's... I can't give anybody any excuses anymore. I can't say, oh, I've, ha- I've been in the classroom. I've had, I've had 60 kids with learning differences. And believe me, I mean, I kept notes on everyone because I wouldn't remember they're coming and going. But you have to, every child has something that they love. And you have to find out how to access it and how to make, and you will, you're becoming creative as a teacher by just listening to what they have to tell you. And I just think teachers have to research, and it's so easy now. It's just easy on the computer to research. 
This concludes this episode of the Fueling Creativity and Education podcast. Make sure you check out Victoria's book, Yes, Your Child Can, Creating Success for Children with Learning Differences. And if you have any questions or thoughts about this episode or past or future episodes, please reach out to us at questions at fuelingcreativitypodcast.com. My name is Dr. Cindy Burnett. And my name is Dr. Matthew Werwood. This podcast was produced by Creativity and Education and in partnership with dadsforcreativity.com. Our editor is Sina Yousafzadeh.